God is good. And all the time. God is good. Rebby and I are so thrilled to be here with you, and we're going to share our heart, a little bit of our testimonies to get to know us better. So we're steering clear of politics. Anyway, thanks for the invitation, Pastor. But uh, churches, it's time for us to lead in Pennsylvania, not take a back seat, not to be intimidated by the bullies and the threats and the lies and deceit, but be bold and courageous. Yep. And uh, we had nothing to be ashamed of, right? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. right. Amen. So we're thankful to be here. And so with our testimony here, Revelations 12, 11, you guys know what it says, right? We overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives unto death. A testimony is a powerful thing. That's why I think the enemy of our souls works so hard to try to bring us down. We're excited to be here and we're just excited because we see God doing a big move across Pennsylvania. And when there's a move across Pennsylvania, we're gonna see a move across our nation. So, yep. That's right. You know, William Penn uh, went to jail for his faith numerous times in England as a Quaker. Belonged to the wrong church. Had, he was not politically correct. Uh, he talked about Jesus too much. It was offensive to the media of the time, which castigated him, issued pamphlets accusing him of all kinds of ridiculous stuff. It, it doesn't sound unlike today. His, his vision and dream for Pennsylvania was to have a place that could be a refuge for all men and women, and that you walk as free people. As our honor sign says, you know, John 8, 3, 6, if Jesus set you free, you're free indeed. It's all about freedom. William Penn suffered on the receiving end of uh, tyrannical kings and magistrates and rulers and suffered scorn and, and ridicule. And as he is uh, sitting in jail in the Tower of London for the third imprisonment, uh, nine years before he came to this place we know as Pennsylvania, uh, he was offered early, early release by King Charles II. King Charles II uh, owed William Penn's dad a lot of favors. His dad was a, a great admiral in the Royal Navy and beat back the Dutch during the Anglo-Dutch War. It was a pretty nasty war. The Dutch came up the Thames River even and were close to London. And uh, so they owed him a big debt. And uh, so, you know, William, I'll let you out of jail early if you just join the right church, have the right political ideas. Don't talk about your Jesus so much. And it had to be tempting. Maybe it wasn't for him at this point. He goes, I'd rather die in jail first before I do that. That's the kind of courage and audacity that God is looking for in men and women like us. Despite our flaws and sins and struggles, despite, despite the failings in our lives, he wants to raise us up to be modern-day William Penns of sorts. And since he was faithful in small things, per the parable of the talents, he was given a big thing called Pennsylvania. And because of that founding that seed of a nation, that holy experiment, the nations need an example to do what is wise and just. His words, outside of Philadelphia City, he found it. And I do believe, Pastor, uh, you know, Rebbe and I, we're so thrilled to see you down in Philly speaking those words that uh, when that seed was planted, our nation was birthed in 1776 by somebody who is mocked and ridiculed in his society, William Penn. But uh, that dream, I don't think, has been totally achieved yet. And in fact, we've had many setbacks in Pennsylvania. And because the light of liberty is under a bushel in so many ways, that freedom around the world has suffered. So now it's up to us, this generation, to take a stand. 
It's our legacy in Pennsylvania. And I do believe we should be declaring that. We should be declaring God's word. We should be declaring uh, from Revelation um, where it says, you know, when God opens a door, right, no man can shut it or no one can shut it. And when God shuts a door, no one can open it. And that's, that's spoken over the church of Philadelphia. And so we need to be declaring God's word that's appropriately applied to our state in this season in our time. Rebbe's right on that there. So uh, whether you're new to Pennsylvania or grew up here, you know, DNA, your DNA is full of freedom. Freedom and the light of liberty, both in Christ and through the legacy and through the testimony of William Penn. So it's time to remember who we are and reclaim our birthright as free men and women in the great commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yep, yep. And that we stand against all the forces of darkness speaking lies and deceit against us. That's right. That's and so here, we're here to share our testimony. If you can go to the next slide here, we're gonna to try to go rapid fire on this. Uh, God has done a lot of great things here. And uh, you know, the testimony is a powerful thing as you see in the scripture right there, Revelations 12, 11. Uh, that's me kneeling next to that one Kuwaiti. I actually had hair back then. It's a long time ago, <laughs> real long time ago. <laughs> Wish I had that hair still. <laughs> I keep threatening Rebbe, I'm gonna get a wig one of these days. <laughs> Next. Oh, <no. laughs> so for Rebbe and I, we were stationed in Germany in 1988, and uh, that was during the height of the Cold War. And uh, that's me at Grafenveer training area uh, in a Bradley, and uh, we were running tank table 12, a live fire gunnery area. Uh, the struggles uh, were, were tough. We were deployed constantly. We served along the East German Czechoslovakian border with the 2nd Armored Cavalry Regiment. These spurs, the media likes to mock them, these people who never served a day in their lives. I say shame on them. But uh, this, these were awarded to me. Rebbe was present at a, at a regimental ball in, in West Germany in 1989 when the Cold War was still going on. Uh, this was for my service with several other officers along the Iron Curtain. And uh, so when I wear these, these symbolize, reminds me of standing against the tyranny of the East, against the tyranny and oppression of that communist socialist system. So... If you think about it, you know, a few years before that, I was a high school student, a short-term exchange student to West Germany, and uh, was detained in East Berlin one time for taking a picture at a subway. And uh, there I was with my long teenage hair. I miss those days, talking a lot about hair these days. <laughs> and I remember Ronald Reagan's words as I'm standing there detained by the People's Police, the Volkspolizei in East Berlin, you know, like, they are the evil empire. These people, they are really bad. That system is bad, not the people necessarily. Uh, the next day I met an East uh, Berliner uh, in East Berlin and he just had been released, 17 year old kid, same age as me then, just released from uh, two years of hard labor for trying to escape the freedom. And that's just the thing, you know, the enemy of our souls want to keep us in bondage and not just content to keep us in bondage but prevent us from moving forward into the light. And so these spurs symbolize our struggle today in Pennsylvania against this evil darkness of oppression, lies, as far extreme ideas and ideologies trying to confuse our kids and destroy our, our nation and, and rip away our freedoms. We saw the, the ugly head of it rear itself in 2020 during the shutdown. And so that goes against everything our commonwealth, our state, was founded to represent. Any other thoughts? We are... 
We definitely know that God is, is moving, and in the darkness, sometimes it, it is hard to see it. It's a big distraction. Even for believers, we struggle there with um, feeling oppressed. Um, at this point in Germany, when we lived um, during the Cold War time in 88, 89, 90 time frame, um, it, the weather even reflected that spiritual climate. It was, it was always cloudy, it was dark, dreary, rained a lot, and even the things on our walls in uh, Furt, Germany would, after just a few months, they would, they would have mold growing on the back of them, just hanging on the wall. So it gives you an idea of the climate. We later lived back in Germany, um, many years later, and that, that whole weather system, it wasn't that it didn't ever rain or was cloudy, but it wasn't like that oppressive. It wasn't there like day in, day out. And so there was um, a lifting that came. So uh, going back to Germany as Lieutenant Mastriano and serving on the Iron Curtain, the pointy end of the spear, as we like to call ourselves, was very fulfilling for me, knowing that I was standing between the darkness and the light, freedom and oppression. And uh, it was an incredible time. And to watch, you know, from time to time, horror and sadness as East German families would try to escape the freedom, you know, and often being killed, trying to come across. These freedoms we took for granted, they were there, always there for us in our lifetime. Sadly, it seems the religious freedoms that we've enjoyed over the past few centuries are anomaly in world history. We see a transition where a, a mocking media thinks it's open season to you know, ridicule Christians in our faith. They want us to sit down and shut up. And it's gonna be a cold day, you know where, before I shut up about it, you know? That's right. So let me talk just a little bit about our second time in Germany. Um, we were actually stationed in Heidelberg, and it was in 2001, 2002, and to 2009. And while we were there, obviously the whole climate had changed, um, you know, from the Cold War days. Um, but I think it was around 2007, I just began getting a real burden to pray for Pennsylvania. Um, some of it had to do with our parent, my parents getting older as, as they lived in Pennsylvania, but some of it was just a, kind of a yearning. It's just interesting though, um, and at that time, of course, you know, we didn't know that the army stations you where the army wants you to go, but ultimately, we always leave that up to the Lord, and we do a lot of prayer into where he sends us, and we trust that he'll send us to where he wants us, right? And so um, a lot of it, kind of looking at it as military ministry, I guess, is how we would perceive it. But um, in around 2007, 2008, God began to talk a lot about uh, to us personally, a lot about our promised land, really not knowing what exactly that was meaning. Um, as, as he clarified it, he very clearly was showing us that he was gonna move us back to Pennsylvania and that it would be our promised land. There was a lot of confirmation both on the, when we were in Germany and when we first um, moved here in 2009 coming back. So it's pretty exciting because at that time we really didn't understand exactly what that meant, but now there's obviously a lot more clarification looking back on that time. So. A lot of our, um, I would say our, our training and our trials that God has prepared us for where we are now has come through our times in Germany. Uh, next slide, please. And so that's a picture I took uh, during a, a 
a crisis on the East German border. Those are East German troops. You see the, the white sign to the right is, is actually the end of West Germany. And uh, there's little epics of times that any Cold War could tell you we felt like World War III was going to break out. Uh, then uh, Reagan comes to Europe, of course, speaks words uh, in 1987 uh, over the Berlin Wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And little did we know those words would have a resounding effect here. He spoke truth and the walls had crumbling down. Next slide. And so Rebbe and I, you know, witnessed the end of the Cold War, and uh, there's a picture in the upper right of us standing in what's called Little Berlin. It's in northern Bavaria, Franken. And uh, you want to talk that story? Yeah, there, there were, um, well, when they put the wall up there, right, it just, it just divided through the properties. And a lot of times it was family property. So there were situations where brothers had family land, and that wall came between, and they didn't have any physical talking or interaction. They could go on to a, a hilltop and wave to each other. But for 40 years, can you imagine just not being able to communicate? And so when that wall came down, thanks to President Reagan's declaration uh, that he made, when that wall suddenly came down, living there, we had no idea. We had no inkling that it was about to, to drop. So it was, it was almost as if it happened overnight, even for us right there. And to see the joy as families were reunited, right? To, to see um, the, the faces that Doug saw with uh, just the freedom. You know, you went from 40 years of bondage. Obviously, some of them had never known anything different. Next slide, please. So peace had broken out, and then, of course, disaster elsewhere in the world. I was uh, up on an exercise with the British 12th Signal Regiment on the, to monitor the last Warsaw Pact exercise. That was a Russian-Soviet-led organization against NATO. And uh, in their little secret site, the British had a black-and-white TV showing Iraqi tanks going into Kuwait City. And I'm like, man, that stinks, but that'll never affect me. That's really far away. <laughs> so, and a few months later, we found ourselves uh, deployed there. Next slide. This is a picture I took from a helicopter right before we attacked. And, uh, you know, when you're leaving, uh, so we're, I'm deploying out of Germany on December 7th in 1990 <laughs> for Saudi Arabia. And they're telling us we don't know how long you'll be gone or if you're coming back. And my higher headquarters ordered 10,000 body bags. Real motivating there for you. <laughs> And so, obviously, you go through a lot of turmoil, as everyone in this room goes through turmoil. Health issues, family struggles, failing in school, job loss, uncertainty you know, of your 401ks, just so many things going on. Being able to put food on the table, paying your energy bill as, as we get into winter, you know, inflation. And uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 really does come to play in, in each situation in our lives. You know, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I mean, that, that's the recipe right there, how to address your anxieties, your fears, your concerns. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. So Rebbe decided to go back to the States, because uh, we were short anyway in Germany. We were a few months out from coming back anyway. And so uh, what did you do next? So God led me to go back to Pennsylvania, actually to my, my home county, Mercer County. And through that experience, I was really, I was suffering with a lot of anxiety because being a newlywed and having Doug deploy, uh, um, not knowing what the future was going to hold. But I did know 
that I needed, he needed prayer cover, we needed prayer cover, and so as God placed me in my hometown area, and like Doug likes to say, he thinks I'm related to most of the county. Not true, but I mean, there's a lot of relatives there. Um, but I kept bumping into family, to friends, to people I'd gone to church with, to people I was in Christian endeavor with, and so I just, everybody that I saw that I knew would pray, I told them about Doug, and I told them to pray. And um, interesting, God only gives us right as much as we can really handle um, at the time. So I was already kind of at my maximum for for some anxiety, but that did start to lift that. Um, Even though I was having trouble doing uh, fervent, long prayers, I was doing popcorn prayers, kind of like emergency signals for God. And and then I'm activating people. So I started to feel that burden lifting as I was activating. And we think between 20 and 30 churches ultimately I activated in prayer specifically for him and his unit. So I was giving that information. A lot of people came back, said, could we have a picture of Doug? We're gonna post it on our church bulletin board. We would like more information. And so I just kept giving that out and give updates as I had them. And you might remember those of you around 31 years ago, there was a spontaneous prayer movement that shook America. Yellow ribbons went up on the trees, pray for our troops, little craft things, pray for our troops. Yep, it was, as somebody who has a doctor of history in American history, I I can't find any time in in our history where a spontaneous movement of prayer, not by leaders, but by the people of Pennsylvania, you know, shook and changed things. And uh, as a result of those prayers, I'm telling my story. I I don't know anyone else's story, but my story is uh, I know I'm alive because of your faithful prayers back 31 years ago. You didn't didn't know who you're praying for, but I'm alive today because of that prayer cover you offered. So God is good. Yeah. And what I didn't know was he was gonna be the lead unit into, um, into the battle. I did not know that. It's a good thing God didn't tell me that. I might have not been able to share prayer requests. I might have been so traumatized. But because uh, I didn't know that, I had all the prayer activated at the time he needed it. So with the 2nd Armored Cavalry Regiment, now it's just called the 2nd Cavalry Regiment. Too bad they gave up all their tanks, but... <laughs> We led the main attack, the 7th Corps main attack that included many armored divisions, including the 1st British Armored Division, into Iraq. Next slide. Uh, my squadron commander wasn't, wasn't real friendly with, with my, uh, my faith, and uh, he used to make fun of me when I'd go to staff meetings and you know, carry my Bible on top of my papers, because you know, usually there's usually a waste of time you're sitting around, so I'd flip it open and, and start reading it. And you know, in front of my peers, he'd kind of ridicule, there's Mastriana, look at him with his Bible, you know, kind of inferring I'm a weak man. <laughs> And then, so we have all this prayer cover, and we start having, I was in the fourth squadron, which is the aviation squadron of the armored units. We had three squadrons of, of armor, you know, 150 tanks, 150 Bradleys, 79 helicopters. And we started having mishaps with the helicopters, and every time, the uh, people in the helicopters would walk away. And we had many go down. And that's one picture, of course, of one of our Kiowas that went down. And... Uh, we see two people waving it to us from in, on the desert floor during, the, bat, during the, the battle, and so we think we thought it was two Iraqis surrendering to us. We fly over and see two of our guys crash on the ground, and they're both fine, amazingly. Uh, we had one of our Cobras go down in the middle, or late in the morning, it's pitch black out around 5.30, crashing to the ground, exploding rounds going off, tow missiles popping off. And uh, I was about a quarter mile away, and I had a front seat to it. And I'm praying you know, fervently for them, but I'm like, 
I know they're dead. I'm still praying, hoping, but this, how do you get out of a crashing helicopter? And uh, the helicopter was completely liquidated in, in the fire, and they, we hauled away you know, what was left in the back of a pickup truck. You know, you're talking about a Cobra attack helicopter. I asked one of the men in the helicopter, how'd you get out? And he's like, I have no idea. One minute we're crashing, the next second we're standing outside this exploding wreck. <laughs> yep. The power of prayer, the power of prayer. My squadron commander, one time we were during the war, I came in once again late to one of his meetings, and so that, right away you're gonna draw fire. And uh, there I am with my little black Bible on top, I should have brought it today. And he's like, there's Mastriano again. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> we also need to start carrying Bibles around like him. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. The power of prayer. <laughs> Next slide, please. And so uh, during the war, uh, of course, when you, when you stop, normally you dig a hole to sleep in. So I got to our position late, and uh, so I was on a, you know, at a meeting and came back and uh, dug a hole for my driver and I. Only one guy knew exactly where we were in the perimeter, and that's that guy manning the M60 right there. And uh, he's out on the perimeter that night, and he's getting this urge in his heart, you need to go back in the perimeter. And he's like, I can't do that. I can't abandon my post. That's a court-martial offense. And it, the pressure's heavy. The hand of God's heavy on him. Go back. And he begrudgingly goes back into the perimeter and there's a, a vehicle headed straight for where I'm sleeping about to crush me and my driver. And he's, because he listened to that call in his heart, he was able to stop that vehicle three feet away from our, our, our foxhole and save our lives. Yep. And he was the only other person that knew where they were, where they had dug in at. Nobody else would have known that there was somebody sleeping there, so it was crucial that it be him. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, Psalm 121. That's exactly an answer to that promise and an answer to prayer. Next slide, please. So three more quick examples next. So uh, one thing that was working against us was Saddam Hussein. We had information that he was gonna have his commanders use chemical weapons if we entered Iraq, which of course we were gonna enter southeastern Iraq. And uh, the chemicals, uh, to his favor, the wind blows from Iraq into Saudi Arabia, from Iraq into Kuwait, which is you know, just like when you're spraying you know, pesticide on your plants, you don't wanna be downwind from that nerve agent. It's the same when you're using it at, you know, at human killing levels. And so that was a problem for us. Next slide. And so here's an example, when the oil wells went on fire in Kuwait, when, when Saddam Hussein ordered them you know, lit on fire, you can see the wind blows from Iraq, Kuwait, down to Saudi Arabia, and that Landsat photo, next slide. And so uh, what happened, so my regiment entered Iraq the day before the ground war, 23 February, 1.30 in the afternoon, you know, we, we, we had A-10s come and do some strikes, and then we had some artillery pick off some Iraqi positions, then we jumped into Iraq the day before the ground war. The minute our first tank went into Iraq, I saw this amazing, this incredible thing happen around me. Before my very eyes, I'm standing outside, our first tank cuts into Iraq, and I watch the wind, I see all these dust devils form around me, hundreds of dust devils all around me, and the wind shifted from its normal direction to blowing from our backs into Saddam's Iraq, which meant if he used chemical weapons, it'd blow back right on his own men and kill his own troops, depriving his ability to use those against us in the front lines. It was a complete Amen. miracle. Amen. Yep. Amen. I was there. I saw it. I felt it. I chewed on that sand out there. 
because I, I know the media likes to mock these kind of stories, and uh, I'd like to challenge anyone who mocks it. If they were there, just, you know, just shut up about it, because I, I saw it and felt it. And what's really kind of cool is wherever we liberate it, wherever, you know, we swept through in Iraq, the wind behind us went back to its normal direction. It, it was the strangest thing. You know, I was the, uh, the squadron intelligence officer, so I was like the expert on weather, enemy, and terrain. Yep. And uh, to watch that in front of us where we needed the wind, you know, to blow in our, you know, from our backs forward, it was that way. The wind stayed shifted over the battle space until the minute the ceasefire went into effect, 8 o'clock in the morning, 20th February. It's like everything just lifted and went back to normal. I mean, it was a complete miracle, answered a prayer, and so many lives were saved as a result. What a reminder that our God never changes, right? It's, it's very similar to a lot of the biblical accounts that, that we know from Scripture. And so the next situation, you could see sort of the direction of our attack. It wasn't such a 90-degree angle. I couldn't find an arrow that worked for me. But anyway, that's the attack we led towards the Republican guards. They're the bad Republicans there. <laughs> yeah. Next slide. <laughs> And while we're attacking, we're in, a, we're in this major tank battle called the Battle of 73rd Easting. All of our three uh, armored squadrons are in combat. And uh, the 12th Iraqi Armored Division does it. It slams into our rear. They attack us from behind. And we get a call from help from our regimental support squadron. They're, they're the beans and bullets guys. They have our ammunition, our fuel, you know, everything we need to, to wage war. And so they're calling for help. Next slide, please. And so I'm in a Black Hawk with eight other men. And uh, we're... All we have in reserve is a, is a troop of Cobra helicopters. And so we're airborne already. We're going to go to the battle space, find where the enemy is, circle it so when the Cobras come, they can knock them out right away. Uh, we can't find the bad guys, so we go 100 feet above ground level. Normally, you don't do that. Normally, you're a nap of the earth when you're in combat in a helicopter. You make yourself a big target otherwise. And we're 100 feet like battlefield tourists scoping over the... And then we fly, and I took the picture in, on the left-door gunner's window right before we flew into a trap. The Iraqis had lined up on a small ridge in the desert and were engaging us at point-blank point range. I mean, all I saw was fire and smoke. Uh, but God delivered us uh, from that catastrophe. Because of your prayers and his promises in Psalm 91, the last few verses say, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Wow, Amen. that's beautiful. God is good. When you go through something like that, you always, well, you know, you're in, you're, in, you're in battle, you're in war. And so you're always, you're, so, you know, we got through that. I was kind of, kind of, you know, I'd say almost half flippantly, thanks God for getting me out of that. <laughs> Next mission. And then uh, about a week later was Easter or so, and uh, we're at near Ur of the Chaldeans by that ancient ziggurat that, that Abraham walked on. <laughs> and our, our uh, chaplain, Chaplain White, is asking, had us stand up and read Psalm 91. You know, the soldier psalm, a part of which I just read to you. And it's kind of, you know, we read Psalm 91 every day. <laughs> 1991, Psalm 91, anyway. And uh, when we got to verse 14 and 15, I felt the Holy Spirit really grip my heart. And it's like, no, you're really alive today because of these promises that I've made. And so yep. God yep. is good. And he allowed one bullet to get through into the helicopter six inches from the fuel pod. So that was also a, a little, little close shave just to, for us to realize, you know, God is actively shielding and protecting, but you did have a close call. 
exclamation point. Yes. Next slide. <laughs> and the last example as we wrap it up here. Uh, so that's, that's a painting from the Battle of 73rd Easting, and that's based off of the testimonies of people that I served with that fought in that tank battle. Yep. And it's been a, it was a last large tank battle of, of the last century. And so you see where we were advancing towards the Iraqis. They knew we were coming. They were dug in and waiting for us. We had F-16s from the Air Force picking off a few here and there, but there was hundreds of tanks. We had artillery going in in front of us. And then, of course, my squadron was, was out front with the helicopters picking off uh, bad guys as well. And then uh, as the battle is about to go to the, to the tanks, you have to get all the air assets out of the way, battle handover. And the minute our helicopters pulled off the screen, so the tanks now have their big tank battle, something strange happened. This incredible sandstorm with rain came rolling in, sat on top of the battle space, blinding the Iraqis completely, but we could still see. And uh, that was no small miracle, because they had similar infrared that we had in their uh, T-72 M84s. Uh, but they couldn't see through the fog. And I showed that picture of me at Grafenvir and a Bradley, not just because it's a cool picture, but to emphasize that when I was on in Grafenvir at tank, tank, tank Table 12, range 301, running that tank range, I had those thermals, and we, I, I was a safety officer. I had to be able to see with those thermals, whether in an Abrams or Bradley, to run the range. And if a little fog rolled in, we'd have to shut the range down because we couldn't see, because otherwise you'd kill your buddies. That, that had happened where, you know, people, people bounding forward were killed by our own guys. And, but miraculously, despite the rain and the silicone, the sand in the air, we could see through that. One of the Iraqis that was captured after the battle told us that, you know, suddenly they, they see us coming, suddenly he's blinded, they're still looking through the thermals, and he starts seeing flashes in the distance. That's our tank shooting at, at his position. Instant later, you know, tanks are blowing up around him, and so uh, they started returning fire, but they're shooting at the, the flashes as our tanks are moving, and the rounds are falling behind our Abrams tanks and in front of our Bradleys. And I mean, there was no loss, you know, initially in that advance because of that. And so he ordered his men out of their tanks because you, you can't fight what you can't see. And so, you know, God did intervene in that battle in an incredible way, as depicted by this, this beautiful piece of art here by uh, Don Stivers yep. that, that he painted to capture that moment. So, you know, you read about these incredible things, you know, in, in days gone by, you know, in biblical times, what have you, and you wonder why these things aren't happening in our times, but they are. I saw it. I felt it. I witnessed it. It's true. You know, God still answers prayers. Next slide, please. So, yeah, once again with the Kuwaiti family, they told us incredible star stories of horror, you know, being underneath tyranny and oppression. Uh, in so many ways, you know, America and Pennsylvania, we're, we're headed down this treacherous path where if you don't have the right political ideals, they'll come down with a heavy hand. You know, why would you send dozens of agents to a pro-life counselor's house? You know, is, is that overkill? Is that proportionate? You know, it's all about in silence and intimidating us. You know, we, we've seen, you know, subpoenas go to many of my colleagues in, you know, in, the, in the recent weeks here. That's to shut them up because they're outspoken on freedom. And so it's imperative upon us to be bold and courageous, as it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. You know, God is very clear. Have I not told you? You know, be bold and courageous, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. So he's looking for bold and courageous, not perfect, because there ain't any perfect people out there, but bold and courageous men and women these days to stand up in these days that try our souls. Because we had that birthright, Pennsylvania. We are, the, we are the keystone state. 
and we are key to the future of our country, and we are key to the future of freedom around the world. You know, as we watch the, the light of freedom diminish in Pennsylvania, we've seen it diminish in faraway places, yep. like on the other side of the world, such as Australia and New Zealand. I firm, and Canada, how heartbreaking. I firmly believe we get it right in Pennsylvania here, that we could re-grasp the promise, the hope, that William Penn envisioned in 1682. That's right. Yep. Because remember who we are. This is where Pennsylvania is where the light of liberty was lit in 1776, where we saw that beautiful breaking in the spirit, of course, last night, with that powerful movement of worship and prayer. Yep downtown Philadelphia, Independence Mall. I mean, incredible. Where we saw, of course, a new birth of freedom down the road from us here in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. And Confederate troops passed through this area in late June, 1863. You know, the enemy were at the gates of Harrisburg. But with great sacrifice, of course, our republic was restored. Abraham Lincoln, when he gave his address in Gettysburg on 19 November, a few months after the battle, 1863, he, you know, he goes back to history. And it's important, he goes, you know, four score, seven years ago, 1776. You know, Joshua chapter four, God loves history. I think one of those few good compound words, pastor, in the English language, you know, I'm sure you go down in Greek, there's all these words for love. And it's like, man, English is pretty basic. You could love a cheeseburger and love your wife too. It's great. <laughs> But uh, history is kind of cool because it's a compound word of his story. And I believe when we make his story our story, we can change history. Right. And we're seeing that every day in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Final remarks. Obviously remembering history, right? And making sure that it's getting passed on to the next generations because God has done great things all through our history of Pennsylvania, and it's, it's our turn. It's our turn now to carry forth the light and unto not just Pennsylvanians, but unto the nation and nations. And it's, it's an anointing that we have on Pennsylvania that we probably take for granted, I do believe. Um, Doug and I have lived in, um, you know, at least 11, 12 other places, and it really, truly, there is a anointing and a blessing that sits over Pennsylvania. There really is. Is. And the nations do look to us. I know we lived in Canada for two years and they're fervently praying our Canadian friends for Doug. You know, they really believe that in where he's positioned will make a difference for them. Isn't that amazing? Yes. On the Senate wall in Pennsylvania is one phrase at Abraham Lincoln's most excellent Gettysburg address. You know, after remembering our history with four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth. And then he goes on to, to honor the dead, those who gave, gave the last full measure of devotion. And then he transitions and he says, okay, we got our history. We have those who sacrificed so much and we owe it to them. But then, what are you going to do about it? Rather, it is for us. Rather, it is for us, the living, to be dedicated to the unfinished work. Yep. We see the work before us. Esther, don't think because you're in a palace you'll escape this. You and your family will die. Gideon, rise up, O mighty man of God. What if he didn't rise up? What if Esther uh, chickened out? What if Esther you know, faded in her moment? So rather it is for us, the living, to be dedicated to the unfinished work. This day... The future of the nation, the future of our state, the future of freedom for our kids and our children's children rests in our hands. 
It's time to stop waving the fists at the TV and complaining, I don't know if my vote counts, and do something about it. And so this is our time to rise up and stand in a gap for our state and nation. So we ask you to continue your prayers because they are powerful, you know, especially as we unite, they are powerful. Also put your faith in action, figure out what is, what is God calling me to do? How, how can I impact my state? How can I make a difference? And this is a time I really do believe that people are open, more open to the gospel because of the darkness and because of the oppression. So you're that much more impactful in your testimony and your declaration and standing up to the call that God has for each one of you. God bless you guys.